In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another segment of Reform This, your faithful American Muslim Patriot here to join you in this battle of ideas between the West, the land of freedom, and the land of Islamism, the Islamic State, and its instruments of Sharia and Islamic law and theocracy. We were talking about Mr. Trump's policy speech in which he, this week in Youngstown, Ohio, laid out what he sees as his strategy in what many in the media are calling a resurrection of the war on terror. And it's almost war on terror redux because there isn't even an attempt to use the terms freedom and democracy. Still, I, I'm still waiting with bated breath to hear Mr. Trump use those terms freedom, democracy, and liberty. But he did talk about allowing those Muslims to come, those immigrants who want to come, who share our values. So I began to finally hear a candidate talk about not changing what it means to be the city on the hill, not changing what our Statue of Liberty stands for and its inscriptions, but simply saying, yes, you're welcome to come here if you pass the vetting process. And that vetting is not just background clearances from regime information, but rather a vetting. Do they believe in the caliphate? Do they believe in Islamic states and Sharia? Would they hold our constitution as the highest law in the land? Or are they insurgents who believe in Islamizing the government and the states in which they come? Do they believe in the equality of men and women? What should be the punishment for stealing the severing of hands? These are the questions I think that you can ask. Now, would some lie? Sure. But right now we're doing nothing. No ideological vetting. So some is certainly better. And then that template can be used to vet domestically for security clearances for those who would be enlisted to help us in the FBI, police, military, etc. Vetting for those groups that should be helping our State Department, our government political wings and media and universities who we should trust in this war, this ideological war, if you will. It's fascinating now, France and many European Union countries are calling for a significant, severe reduction in the numbers that they wanted to bring in. And listen, I I certainly have a a horse in this race. I, I've got family. We've been asking for years to come out of Syria, and now they're stuck, and some are dodging 
barrel bombs, carpet bombing, chemical weapons, and also ISIS. So both Assad and ISIS are wreaking havoc on Syria. And yet, as an American, to be honest, I have to be honest and say that we would we are foolhardy not to be concerned about the ideology. 13% in some studies of the refugees have sympathies for the ideologies of ISIS. That should make us concerned. That's one in nine. A little, little more than that. So, we can filter those without turning off our immigration, without changing who we are, and thus building a policy stance of what it means not only to fight terror as a tactic, but to fight jihadism and ultimately to fight Islamism. And what does victory look like? Victory against Islamism will look like a generational battle in which all Islamic states see their end. All Islamic states of the cooperation of the organization of Islamic cooperation begin to fall apart. And that neo-caliphate of 56 nations begins to fall apart. That's the evil empire. But unfortunately, Mr. Trump seems to have the advice on the teleprompter from his advisors that was correct on the domestic threats and how to vet those. But yet they couldn't translate that into one coherent doctrine. Instead, he's talking about having common ground with Russia, which in a kleptocratic way fuels every evil regime it can to keep its power in the Middle East and has sided with the Shia version. And on the other hand, he wanted to continue everything the way it's been with the Sunni allies, quote-unquote, who've been truly the founding fathers of ISIS, and yet he did not call them out on their ideologies. And one of the amazing things, I think, is that the very vetting he'd want to do, none of the militaries or the governments that we would enlist the hundreds of thousands manning these governments and militaries and royal families and others that are allies against ISIS would pass the vetting process if done appropriately to condemn the caliphate, to condemn ISIS and to condemn Islamism, political Islam, the Sharia state, blasphemy laws, apostasy laws, all the aspects of the ideological conflict. So until we have a policy that marries those doctrines, that schizophrenia is going to continue to, on the one hand, drive radicalization as we take millions from the Saudis and from the Iranians and others. And on the other hand, whack-a-mole the, the terrorists that are produced as if we can't stop this problem. We can no longer have foreign policy and domestic policies schizophrenic and divided. We need candidates that see Russia as an enemy, that see... Saudis as an enemy that need to, when they talk about the war on terror, talk about ending the addiction on oil and for oil and talk about alternative energies or accepting higher gas prices. All of these things are married into one policy issue. And the EU, contrary to dialogue this week in the media is not having second thoughts about the refugee crisis because of public pressure 
but because they realize from Paris to Belgium to London, day after day from axe murders to terror cells that commit acts from country to country, they realize that they're at war. And the only way to fight war is to shut down the invasion and to begin to defend your countries, your nation states, your national sovereignty. I believe that's a lot of what Brexit was about. Yes, there were domestic issues, I'm sure, in England related to economics and other things, but there's no doubt that national sovereignty played a role. The fact that 81% of British Muslims say that they're Muslim first and British second is a problem when the country looks at it, its threat of stability from foreign immigration. So Germany may be too late with the numbers that have been let in by their chancellor. And where they're headed next, we don't know, but I think ultimately they're going to have to revisit what it means to be democracies, liberal democracies, secular democracies, and how they're going to vet for the ideologies that threaten them. So I think this week, as Mr. Trump's foreign policy has begun to be laid out, there was finally some meat on the bone. We heard some solutions, but unfortunately, the Arab awakening was just looked at a vacuum that the only way to fill is with dictatorship. Sure, places like Syria will get worse before they get better, but to think that there's any pathway towards a peaceful, more democratic, more liberal Middle East. And as Mr. Trump mentioned, reformers that we're going to work with, the reformers he wants to work with, that he mentioned twice in his speech, are in the prisons of Saudi Arabia and Qatar and Egypt. El-Sisi doesn't have him in his cabinet. He's got them in prison. The reformers, the real reformers, that want to end the blasphemy, the Sharia laws, and the Islamic State identity. That want to work with liberty and democracy. Two words, al-Sisi, King Salman, and other autocrats and monarchs and dictators and tyrants in the Middle East don't want to, don't want to say. So, there's a lot there. There's a lot more to talk about when we come back. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network.